here we are in a series called Double Vision, right? This is actually the last uh, talk on the topic of double vision. I don't know why they gave me the last one, but I'll do my best to cap off this series. This is a mini-series, especially compared to our last one that lasted nine months. But uh, this is a mini-series talking about the value of us sharing the gospel. The mandate that Jesus gives us to share our faith, right? And so we've had this launching verse, 2 Corinthians 5.11. It says this, Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we will work hard to persuade others. Because we have this mission and mandate from Jesus himself, we will work hard at it. We will, we will understand what we believe. We will engage with our faith, not become passive, but we will take our faith and we will work hard at it. We will work hard at evangelizing. We will work hard at persuading others. I was in an internship out in Seattle about eight years ago, um, yeah, whoop, whoop, Carrie was there. Um, and uh, it was an amazing time. One, it was like at a church, Bible college thing, uh, learning about the Lord. Well, one of the uh, kind of items of, of to pass the year was to go on a mission trip. So we went to Washington, D.C. Uh, and New York City. It was really cool. We did a bunch of ministry stuff there. Uh, so as we were there in New York City, right in Manhattan, we had a day off. So we got to go and uh, we got to uh, do a scavenger hunt, okay? And it was like, you go and take, like, pictures, and you, like, go to, you know, Rockefeller Center, you get 50 points if you send a photo in, and then you go to Lady Liberty. That was, like, probably 100 points. Well, on the checklist, our pastor put on there, lead someone to Christ. And I think, I don't remember how many, like, points it was, but it was, like, five million. Like, you win if you lead someone to Christ. And so, as an internship, and our pastor just kind of, like, jokingly, like, yeah, we're an internship about Jesus. We should probably share uh, the gospel with people. So, uh, so that was on the checklist. And so, uh, so my, I, we broke off into smaller groups, and I was in uh, my buddy John's group. And John and I were walking, and we were just talking about how uh, almost it becomes cliche. as like, yeah, we're supposed to, you know, like, share Jesus with people as a church internship. And we were just kind of joking around. But then uh, he started telling me about what Jesus has done in his life. I'm asking more of his story. And he just starts telling me about what Jesus has done in his life. And then I start to tell him about my relationship with Jesus. And we were having this really good conversation. I don't remember all of it. but it was really good, and we were heading to get our coffee. Now, if you know me, like, like that's, like, number one. Like, uh, it's, like, Jesus, like, m- my wife, and then, like, coffee right on there. You've made it above coffee, but uh, so we're, we're pretty much coffee addicts. If you want to make our day, coffee. That's it. Um, and so here we were going to get our coffee, but as we were walking and talking with my buddy John, I look over um, right in Bryant Park, right, right downtown Manhattan, and I see this woman. It was like the sun came through the clouds or something, and it was like right on this woman and her uh, little boy. He was like tossing a football up in the air. So I'm like, 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 what is going on? Like, why, why am I so drawn to this woman? Like, way over there. And so as we're talking and going to get our coffee, I'm like, John, I think I'm supposed to go talk to that woman. Now, at the time, I wasn't thinking about, like, the scavenger hunt, right? Like, but I was just like, I'm supposed to go talk to that woman. And I just, we were just talking about Jesus. All of a sudden, I just felt like 
this is, I'm supposed to, so I'm like walking over very awkwardly, like, hello, miss, how are you doing, you know? And uh, she's sketching the, the building, right, sitting there. She's sitting on the ground, sketching the building really beautifully. I said, excuse me, miss, do you do that for a living? Like, you are an amazing artist. And with tears in her eyes, she said, no, this is what I do when I'm really stressed out. I said, oh, I know I'm a complete stranger, but would you mind telling me what's going on? And she said, yeah, this is actually probably my last day with my son. Uh, CPS is more than likely going to come um, pick him up soon. I've been really struggling with drugs. Um, can't get over um, the bad habits that I've formed. And she said, um, and she said uh, I, uh, you know, I spent the last money on the, this train ticket down in the city to have one last moment with my son. And I said, miss... I got some really good news for you. I was walking right over there with my friend and we were going to get some coffee and I love coffee. But let me tell you something. Jesus, out of all the people in this park, wanted me to come over and talk to you. And I didn't know why. But I want to tell you about how good Jesus is. And I can tell you from my story. And so we began this dialogue, and she's just saying, thank you, God. Thank you, God. I was praying for something. I don't even know what I believe in, but I was praying for it. And we began this relationship, and uh, her and her son prayed together to receive Jesus in their lives. Fast forward uh, uh, a couple months later, she's calling me and saying, Spence, this, this is, God's uh, kept my son together. I'm off of drugs, and uh, this is, like, just going amazing, right? And so, uh, so I tell you that not to, like, pat myself on the back, because it was so much Jesus. It was so much God. Like, it was like, whatever that light beam, like I saw that woman. It was so God. But I want to just say that I was thinking about that, right? Sharing the gospel, sharing the gospel in that, um, in that manner. Like it just, it was so amazing to me to ponder that story again and to think, uh, why, what, what was it about that? Why was that so easy? And I really felt like Holy Spirit was just reminding me again it's because John and I, my friend, we were talking about Jesus. We were keeping the gospel fresh. We were saying what he's done in our life. No one can take what he's done uh, in your life. They can't take that away from you because it's your story, right? And so when you have a story, when you've encountered his love, when you've encountered his grace, and you've given your life over to him, and you're saying, I'm following you, and you start rehearsing that, and you start telling people about it, telling your friends about it. Uh, number one, having your own story, and then the other is having a friend, having a community, having Anchor Church, people that are rehearsing the gospel over and over and keeping it fresh, right? The outcome was I was able to just go over and bluntly just share the gospel with her because I had, I had no fear in that moment. Why? Because I was so caught up in my own story and John's story. I'm like, Jesus, you can get anybody. You can get anybody. And so, anyways, so that's, that's where we're going today. And let me just say this. This takes the I know I should out of it. If you have Jesus on your tongue, if you're remembering the gospel of what he did for you, it takes the, oh, I know I'm supposed to evangelize. I know I'm supposed to spend time with the Lord every day, it takes the obligation out of it. Because you're remembering the gospel, and when you remember the gospel, it is good news. And you can't help 
but share the good news. And so let me just make this one point. We don't evangelize for God. Today we're talking about evangelizing from God. Jonathan David Helser, an amazing worship artist, uh, uses this phrase. We don't live from or for God's love. We live from God's love. Huge, huge difference. And we're going to unpack that a little bit today. But if you uh, are going to hit the snooze, bu- uh, snooze button today, you feel like taking a nap, even though you got an extra hour of sleep, I don't blame you. But hear this before you take a snooze. The best way to evangelize is to fall madly in love with Jesus. The best way to share the gospel is for it to live inside of you and come out of you. Right? Let Jesus get inside of you today. And that motivation, when you start feeling that love again, that's what the world is going to see. But it's not you. It's not you and your flesh trying to work this thing out. It's, no, the Spirit of God living in you. So we're going there today. I don't want to just say some nice words. I want to share some words from Scripture, have Scripture speak to you. So let's go to Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. While you're going there, I'm going to just reiterate. We have it on the screen, by the way, if you don't have a Bible. Um, while you're going there, we got the Great Commission, right? This is what Jesus left his disciples. Right before he ascended to heaven, he went to that cross. He died, rose again in three days, conquered sin and death. And then he uh, lived some days on the planet teaching his disciples, this is what is most important before I go back to my Father in heaven seated on the throne, right? And so uh, he says this to his disciples, go and make disciples, your mission, your commi- I'm commissioning you to go and make disciples. And then I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Okay, and then he says this other line. And then I want you to teach them to obey my commandments. We don't often leave that, we kind of leave that sentence out. We're like, we'll go make disciples and we'll baptize them. But then he says, I want you to have them obey my commandments. So naturally, I ask, what did Jesus command, right? So we can go and see uh, his Sermon on the Mount and uh, see this, you know, amazing sermon, best of all time, and he, you know, teaching what we should do. But then we see in Matthew 22 what is most important to Jesus. And we're going to read it in verse 37. It says, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. He's summing it all up. Now, if you've been in church for a second, this could become white noise for you. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm supposed to love God. Yep, all, all my heart, soul, mind, strength. Yep, sounds good. The danger in that is when we hear this is that it cannot become the reality of our lives. When something is like repeated so much, we can almost... It can be like white noise. And so I just want it to, you to hear what he's saying. I, number one, number one above anything else is to love him. And that word love, to love God is agapeo. Now, I'm not very good at uh, Greek. Pastor Jim could help us out with that. But it, agape love is the highest form of love. It's a love derived from God because God actually is love. We're going to see that in a little bit. So agape, he says, at the highest form of love, that's what I want you to love God with. I want you to love God that way. And then verse 39, it says, and the second one is like this. 
to love your neighbor as yourself. So again, we, we put like love God and love people. We put it like on shirts and we like have it on every church billboard. And I'm like all about that, right? That's what Jesus said. We're like, we love God, we love people. Uh, like I'm saying, I, I just want this to land on fresh ears to, uh, to, again today. That this can either become a cliche or the reality of the lives that we live as followers of Jesus. And let me just say this, let, the order is not flipped, it's not we love people and then we love God. This is so often the case when churches go, like we're going to be like an evangelism church. We're going to go share the gospel. We do, we often put people first, right? And I'm all, I'm all about people. I'm like extroverted as they come, right? I love to talk to people. I love to engage with them. But we run the risk of being so people focused. Kyle talked about this last week, that we can we can end up morphing into what they believe or what they think or what they do instead of living from a place first and foremost from God then to others. And we're going we're gonna to go there a little bit more. This uh, came across this quote and it just like sums up this whole entire point right here. It says this, it is only when we return to the first commandment, so loving God, that we are empowered to live out the second commandment, loving others, loving our neighbor. It is fulfilling the great commandment that leads us to the great commission. It is the fire that leads to the fragrance. It is deep intimacy that leads to true advocacy. What a quote. The author is saying, if we want to love the world well, if we want to love people well, we got to first and foremost understand what Jesus said about loving God. So what does it look like to love God? What does that look like for you? What does that look like for me and my family? What does loving God, maybe you have some things coming to your mind. Well, we see in 1 John, this won't be on the screen, but 1 John 5, 3, it says, uh, loving God means keeping his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. Oh man, that's a Jesus that I can follow. I can't have any more burdens laying on my shoulder. That's what the world does. They just throw more and more on you. But Jesus is like, no, I got a mission for you, and it's filled with joy and purpose and life. It's not filled with burdens. This is not, this is, again, taking the obligation of like, I have to do this. No, it comes from a place from him. So first and foremost, to love God is to obey his commandments. But, right, love starts with an encounter first. Let's back up from, uh, from even obeying his commandments. Why would you obey somebody's commandments if you haven't even experienced uh, him? So love takes an encounter first. And then it takes time to build history, Right? You don't, I don't just walk up to my wife, you know, eight years ago um, and say, like, the very first time, like, oh, I love you so much. Oh, my gosh, let's get married tomorrow. It would make no sense. But from the first encounter that we had to, this is an amazing person. And then over years and years, well, probably too many years, <laughs> it took me to realize, whoa, we've built a history that I'm like, whoa, I'm starting to really love this woman. But think about it like this. Love, like if I were to buy some flowers at the store, I don't just bring them home, slap them on the table and say, hey, hey babe, it's flowers for you. Love you. I know. I'm supposed to love you as we're married, right? That would not feel very good from a spouse, right? How often do we do this with God? 
How often do you do that with God? Showing up to church today because that's what you're supposed to do because we just do that on a Sunday morning. Supposed to be nice to that person just because, you know, because that's what Jesus told me. I'm supposed to be someone who shares the gospel because just what, what you're supposed to do. And Jesus is shaking his head like, no, that's not, that's not the way of following Christ. The way of following Christ is to absolutely fall in love with him. And here's the best news. You don't have to earn his love. Human to human, we got to kind of like put ourselves out there. We got to kind of like feel this out, right? See, like, I'm going to like put myself and we'll see if they respond. But Jesus' love, he says, no, I was there first. He died at the beginning of all, all time. He had you in mind that he would die on that cross for you. And his love would reach further past than the greatest depths of sin that you could find yourself in. Your darkest hour, and why people are saying, yeah, amen, is because that's their story. That's their story that God's love came before them. And, they, and then they like, you know, maybe he wooed you over some time, right? Maybe he just kept revealing more and more of himself. And you had these encounters, or maybe it was like that, just like, bam, met with the reality of God's love. And so we can only love God back if we understand that it's a response from his agape love towards us first. So that's loving God, right? His love is just so much different. So I do have a question. I always like to pose a little question for you. If you are a follower of, of, of Jesus in this room, if you've given your life to him, you uh, are a Christian, you would consider yourself a Christian, why are you? Why are you? I would imagine most people would say, it's because I had an encounter with him. It was back in 1987, at this, this time, this date, that he just came in and revealed himself to me. Or maybe, again, it was like over years of experience, like I just, he just kept pursuing me, kept loving me. I just couldn't take it anymore. I'm like, I'll, I'll give in. That's probably a lot of people's story in here. And some of you are still developing that. You're building a history, and that is so beautiful. But I ask you today, like, if it's been a while, if you've been a follower of Jesus for a while, has it become white noise for you at all? Just take some inventory today. No shame, no pressure. Like, where's... Have you lost maybe what the Bible calls the first love? And today, I just want to, as a brother, just say, come back. Come back to that first love. Come back and remember the gospel. Remember what he did in your life. Remember who, who he was to you back then and knowing that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he loves you just as much as when he revealed you, himself to you in 1987. He loves you. But the way we are going to love people well is to rehearse the gospel in our own life. So we're not going to be living for his love. We are going to live from that love that he's given us. Before we move to this next section, I just got to say, you know, um, Pastor Kyle's been talking about us all being priests. First, uh, First Peter talks about us having a priestly role. It's not just one priest standing on the stage giving a message. Or uh, We don't believe that. We believe that Scripture calls each and every one of us 
as priests to share the gospel. And what does he say, right? Pastor Kyle talked about this last week. The number one goal, mission, responsibility of a priest is to minister to the Lord, right? We worship first and foremost. When you wake up out of bed, you're like, I'm a priest today. I'm going to worship. I'm going to get my worship on because he's worthy. We've talked all year about that. Number one, we minister to the Lord. Second, is we minister to each other. And the byproduct of those two in that order is that each one of us gets ministered to. If we're all engaged with God and we're all ministering to each other, that means we all are getting ministered to. Does this sound just like Jesus' first and great commandment? That we would love God first. That we would be people that are so enamored with him, so got our eyes on him, that the second one, it just is a byproduct of it, that we would engage with each other. It's like, Joe, that's a nice jacket. I like that jacket. It feels good to get a compliment, doesn't it? That's like the easiest way to start a conversation. And boy, and then when you're led by the Spirit to say, Joe, you got a calling on your life, man. I'm so grateful that we get to be together. That didn't feel terrible, did it? That felt pretty good. It's not too hard, guys. But we got to do it from a place of love. So anyways, I hope I drove uh, that point home uh, again. Uh, But I want to just say, look at Jesus' life. He went away so often, didn't he? went away to be with the Father. You know why? He had to reconnect unity with the Father. And then he would do ministry from that place. So we focus on loving God. I want to talk now about like loving people. I'll keep this one a little bit shorter, I promise. John 17. Go to John 17, verse 18. John 17, 18. While you're going there, um, John is the writer of the book of John. His name is the Apostle John. He was a follower of Jesus, and he calls himself uh, uh, the most loved, the disciple that Jesus most loved. John the Beloved is his nickname, right? Now, what you got to understand, especially guys in here, just hear me out for a second. John was no, like, fluffy, like, like, uh, he was no fluffy guy, okay? He... (laughs) He, had, he was a man's man, okay? He's one of the brothers that's like, Jesus, those people are treating you like dogs. We're going to call fire down from heaven on them. It's like, we're going to just like, you know, incinerate them. It's going to be awesome. And Jesus is like, oh, whoa, whoa. Like he called it like sons of thunder. Like chill out. So he's one of the sons of thunder, okay? He also wrote the book of Revelations. If you ever getting into the book of Revelations and you're confused, uh, ask Pastor Tucker. He'll, he'll know. Uh, <laughs> it's some crazy stuff, right? So he's not just some, uh, some uh, like fluffy guy, like a weak dude. He, but he, you have to hear this. He walked with Jesus and he encountered Jesus' love and it changed his absolute life. So this is who's writing this, okay? He's, he's capturing now Jesus' prayer. He's capturing Jesus' prayer for you and for me. He's capturing, like if you want to know what Jesus is praying for you, go to John 17. It's right there. This is his prayer. And this is only a section of what, we're, what he's praying, but it just keeps, he just keeps repeating himself over and over. So we're going to see what he says 
uh, that John jots down here. Just as you sent me into the world, this is verse 18, I am sending them into the world. I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also, check this part out, for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will be, uh, be one just as you and I are one. You are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that, check this one out, the world will believe you sent me. Verse 22, I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you and me. <laughs> may they experience such perfect unity that third time, the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. So Jesus is doing this thing for like verse after verse. I and you and you and me and they and me and you and you. It's like he's just driving the point home of we have to be in unity with God. We have to. He's, he, it's like, he's like, John, get over here. Let's, I want you to hear this prayer. I want, I'm praying to, G, or to my father. And he's like, if I could drive one point home over and over and over, is that they would be unified with us. Three times he says the outcome of unity with God and then unity with each other, the world will know. Does this sound like another uh, portion of Scripture? You don't have to turn there. It's a quick one. John 13, just a page before. Jesus says, So now I am giving you a new commandment that you love each other just as I have loved you. I should lo or we, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So Jesus is giving us the recipe again that you fall madly in love with your Savior, that you fall madly in love with God. He's simplifying it for us and saying just have unity with the Father, unity with each other, love each other. And the outcome is a bunch of, a bunch of people in the world, they're going to see like what is different about that person? Why are they so joyful in the middle of a pandemic? Why do they always bring us food? Why do they do that? Why do they love us so well, even though we've tried to reject them? It's because you're living from a place of his love, not your own. I've been in the church my whole life, since a little baby. One of the things that really just boils me is to say, see somebody who says they've walked with Jesus for a long time, but their life doesn't look anything like it. That really boils me. I see a lot of angry Christians. I see a lot of not joyful, not full of peace, not happy. Open Facebook for 12 seconds. <laughs> I wonder what the world thinks. I wonder what they think. Like, yeah, you invited me to church, but you are just not happy. Why, why would I ever want to be that? What kind of witness is it? But you carry it every single day, right? And I'm not saying no one in this room, I'm sure, has ever done that. But <laughs> I'm just saying I'm, it's me too. It's taken inventory today. So what happens when we don't know God? What, what happens when we don't? 
uh, live from a place of God, we end up operating in the flesh. And often, the flesh can only go for so long. Are you hearing me? The, f- the flesh can only go so long. Let's think about it this way. I wake up this morning, I'm like, I'm going to love my family better. And like 12 minutes later, <laughs> I am like, I can't believe you drew on the floor. What are we going to do about that? And they're like, it's like, it's so easy. I'm, like, I'm going to love uh, uh, my neighbors better. And then it's easy to be like, what's up with your uh, leaves blowing into my yard? Or whatever it is, right? We operate in the flesh. but the, And we have so much scripture we could go here. We don't have time. But the Bible talks so much in the New Testament about not living in the flesh, but actually in the spirit. And when you are engaged with the Spirit, you're going to get His heart for people. You're going to be different. But the, when we're living in the flesh, right, it hurts a lot of people. It hurts a lot of people in the church. When we're not living from that place, I bet a lot of people here have a church wound, have things that people have done in the name of Jesus that has absolutely hurt you. And absolutely do we need to forgive them. But it hurts And it's easy to point the finger at other people, isn't it? And not have the gospel come in and transform your own life. It's always their fault, always them, you know. But Jesus is saying today, I want you to take inventory. And I want you to live from a place of my love. Can I encourage you real quick? I'm I'm almost done trying to keep it short for us today. There is tremendous unity happening with the pastors in Missoula. I don't know what narrative you've heard. Again, there's plenty of stories. I know there's plenty of hurt. But can I just tell you, last week, someone came into the office of actually someone who works here, an amazing man of God, chose to retire but not retire. He retired from his job, and his number one ministry is to minister to pastors in Missoula. He felt this calling, and he sent like over 20 different pastors in our city uh, down to this amazing conference, and they meet once a month for for lunch, and they're putting their theological differences aside, and there's unity that is springing up that we've prayed for for years. And then I got to go to this conference with 13 other worship leaders last week, all paid for by one guy dropping a check. Probably 20 grand, just handed it right over. So we could all fly north of Atlanta, uh, nine different churches represented, and worship the Lord together. There is unity happening, right? All because of one man's vision saying, I'll do it. Because why? I love people. And the best way to love them, I'm going to get to their pastors. If we can get to their pastors, make sure their pastors are healthy, it's going to go into the people. And so there is amazing unity happening. And let me just encourage you with this. Jesus is building his church. The Bible talks about it. If he's not building it, we're just all laborers and working in vain. Jesus is building his church. And whatever Jesus puts his mind to, he's really good at it. He's really good at it. But here's the best part. It blows my absolute mind that he would allow a bunch of failed people like me and a bunch of failed people like you with all our flaws and all the things that we've hurt people with. And he's like, hey, you want to build my bride? You want to be a co-laborer with me? You get the opportunity the opportunity to share Jesus with people. This is blowing my mind. He could have just been like, no, I'll just do it in my sovereignty. I'll just, you know, do it all together. But he's like, no, 
disciples, I want you to go and make other disciples. The mission is amazing that he gets to, uh, lets us be a part of it. And here's the last thing before I call the band up. In fact, band, you can start coming up. The crazier the world is, the best it is for us as Christians. I don't know what narrative you're believing. I'm trying to change this one in my own life. The darker, more messed up stuff people in our society are get, getting into, I mean, it's, it's bizarre. But we know that the light always shines brightest in the darkness. And so uh, I, I, we can't fall into the doom and gloom of Christianity. We're just waiting for the world to go to hell in a handbasket, you know, whatever. Like, we, we are supposed to be the ones sharing the light. And the light living inside you, his name is Jesus. That is what is going to change the world. But it comes from a place of falling madly in love with him again. It comes from a place of just being so enamored with him that then we love one another. And from that place, people are going to, uh, they're going to see it. They're going to see the light. And I believe uh, this community is a very welcoming community. If this is your first time or second time, like you're sitting around some of the most amazing people. I hope they ask you your name. I hope they get to know you today. If they don't, come back next week. I'll, I'll, I'll try to track you down. This is a safe community full of a bunch of people that don't have it all together, but we're all heading towards the same mission. And his name is Jesus. And he's living inside of us. I know this is really simple today really simple, like love God, love people. But I, I hope you hear my heart today. I, uh, we took our uh, neighbor out. She's 79. Is Marianne 79? 80. We took her out to Cracker Barrel a couple, week, uh, a couple Sundays ago. And uh, Marianne uh, is one of the most joyful loving people you will ever find on this planet. I like, I wish, I wish she was here. Like she's, she's been at the same church for 80 years, just building the thing. She, uh, she's been through a lot in her life, a lot. Multiple things went wrong in her life. Things she could blame on God. Things, she has, she has every right to blame God, to go away, be like, forget this. I asked her, Marianne, why are you so joyful all the time? Why do you just keep loving? Why do you do that? And with a smile on her face, it wasn't even difficult to answer. She said, it's Jesus in her sweet, wonderful way. It's Jesus. And then she kind of paused and as she was pausing, I was pausing, thinking, is that it? Like, like I'm like, oh, man, did that just pop into my mind? Was, was that it? <laughs> and she, she said, you know, it's been Jesus. I've got to know him. And then she said, community. God brought the right people at the right time, and I'm still friends with them to this day. Jesus and a community that is surrounded by the talk of Jesus was the very thing that has kept her in his path her whole entire life. 
And our neighborhood knows Jesus because of that woman. (laughs) She's relentless because she's living it. She's fallen in love. He's kept her on her path. And it makes me want to do the same. Remember the Apostle John that I talked about? At the end of his life, he pens what would be the most important thing to the churches. He wants to let, you know, he's lived this life with Jesus. Jesus has gone away and he's become this disciple. And then he pens in 1 John what would be, you know, towards the end of his life. What is the message John wants us to hear? And we find this in 1 John chapter 4. This is not going to be on the screen because I want to read it over to you almost like a prayer. So I'd love for you to just close your eyes. I'm actually going to read this from the message paraphrase. I don't often do that, but it just hit me like a ton of bricks. It's just like you're going to love this. Can you just let these words just sit in your soul for a second? 1 John 4, 7. My beloved friends, let us continue to love each other since love comes from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and experiences a relationship with God. The person who refuses to love doesn't know the first thing about God because God is love. So you can't know him if you don't love. This is how God showed his love for us. God sent his only son into the world so we might live through him. This is the kind of love we are talking about. Not that, once a, uh, not that we once upon a time loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to clear away our sins and the damage they've done to our relationship with God. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Verse 11. My dear, dear friends, if God loved us like this, we certainly ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, ever. But if we love one another, God dwells deeply within us. And his love becomes complete in us. Perfect love. This is how we know we're living steadily and deeply in him. And he in us. Does that sound familiar? He's given us from his his life his very own spirit. Also, we've uh, we've seen for ourselves and continue to state openly that the Father sent his Son as Savior of the world. The good news. Everyone who confesses that Jesus is God's son participates continuously in an intimate relationship with God. We know it so well. We've embraced it heart and soul, this love that comes from God. God is love. When we take up permanent residence in a life of love, we live in God and God lives in us. This way, love has the run of the house, becomes a at home and mature in us so that we're free of worry on judgment day. Come on. Our standing in the world is identical with Christ. There is no room for, in love for fear. Well-formed love banishes fear. Since fear is crippling, a fearful life, fear of death, fear of judgment is one not yet fully formed in love. We, though, are going to love. Love and be loved. First we loved, now we, uh, first we were loved, now we love. We love, he loved us first. If anyone boasts and says, I love God, and goes right on hating his brother or sister, thinking nothing of it, he is a liar. 
If he won't love us, uh, or if he won't love the person he can see, how can he love the God he can't see? The command we have from Christ is blunt. Love, loving God includes loving people. You've got to love both. Can you keep your eyes closed for just one second? Do you hear the words? John is saying, come on, guys. If you want to do this for the long haul, you got to fall madly in love with him because he loved you first. Some of you are really tired in this room. Some of you have been through a lot of hurt, a lot of damage. And to even think about sharing the gospel just sounds exhausting. Today, I invite you as a brother, come home. Jesus, you're the only one where our soul finds its home. You're the only one where life starts making sense. And so I pray for my brothers and sisters here today that they would come home to the love of a father. And that you would help us, Jesus, love, the, love each other. That church hurt would not be the story of this place. That we would have a bunch of people understanding that we're living from love and living with each other, loving each other. As your eyes are closed, man, some of you in this room hear about this experience with Jesus, but you've not given your life to him. You've not followed him. And today I hope I painted as a, a, a beautiful picture of his love for you. Just like that scripture, scripture just said, he came and he died for you. It was the ultimate sacrifice of love that would unite you back with God. And so you don't have to pray some fancy prayers. Just say, Jesus, I'm I want to follow you. Would you lead me on this relationship and journey? And to my brothers and sisters here today, I just say I love you, care for you, and that we would be ones that live first and foremost from his love and then loving each other. But today, I'm calling us out. I'm saying it's time to come back to that first love. Let it come afresh. Let it come and renew you. I want you to take an inventory while we do this last song to return to that first love. From this place, you guys, this is where we're going to see our city changed because the light of Christ is living in and through us. Amen? Amen. I, we have communion. We already got it out of your seat. Hopefully you didn't sit on it and squash it all over your pants. But during this next song, you, you got to do whatever you got to do but I've tried to keep this just short enough. We got probably another five minutes before we got to get those kiddos out of here. But we're going to play one song. If you need to sit and experience his love again, sit. If you need to pace around this room, no one's going to be watching you. You do what you got to do. But I want you to experience God's love again. And even as we go out these doors, that we would be ones that love each other, that we get to know each other's story. We love on one another. And we're going to see Missoula changed. It's our mission and mandate from God. So we're going to do one more song. Uh, take communion on your own. Um, Jesus, this is your blood and your sacrifice. And we thank you 
for what you did for us on the cross, that we would live from that place of your love, and that we would see our city changed. Amen.